everyone. Welcome to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I'm your host, Woodzik. This is a special Christmas episode if you're celebrating Christmas. And if not, it's a bonus Monday episode for you. Episode 115. So I don't know if you've been hearing about this, but um, aliens. That could be a thing. Some research popping up. Um, and I was discussing it with my good friend Sarah Connell last night, and then this morning I was sort of reading through stuff and, and feeling incredulous that the shit show of a year that has been 2017 has been so wild that we're just sort of like, aliens? Meh. So, I'm going to read four articles. This is the first time I'm really digging into them, and I'm going to read them out loud, audiobook style. I'm going to layer over this sweet beat from a garage band called Above and Beyond Synth. I feel it's only appropriate. Uh, and so you are welcome to play this at any holiday gathering you may or may not be at. Uh, and people can just think it's like a fun Pandora playlist because people don't really listen that much, do they? I mean, do they? Anyway, all I want for Christmas is to be able to pay my actors for my thesis project titled Transactions. It's a play about sparking a conversation about gender, diversity, and inclusion in professional theater. So there'll be a link to that in the episode description if you're able to kick over a couple of bucks for each $10 raised. Fully tax-deductible, thanks to the catamounts, uh, we'll add another sweet unicorn ornament to our digital tree coloradogives.org slash transactions. Hey, let's get to these uh, alien articles, okay? Enjoy episode 115, folks. So the first one here is from the New York Times, and it's titled Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. And it was published on December 16th. It's by Hélène Cooper, Ralph Blumenthal and Leslie Keen, and away we go. Washington. In the $600 billion annual Defense Department budgets, the $22 million spent on the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program was almost impossible to find, which was how the Pentagon wanted it. For years, the program investigated reports of unidentified flying objects, according to the Defense Department officials, interviews with program participants, and records obtained by the New York Times. It was run by a military intelligence official, Luis Elizondo, on the fifth floor of the Pentagon's C-ring, deep within the building's maze. The Defense Department has never before acknowledged the existence of the program, which says it shut down in 2012, but its backers say that while the Pentagon ended funding for the effort at that time, the program remains in existence. For the past five years, they say, officials with the program have continued to investigate episodes brought to them by service members while also carrying out other Defense Department duties. The shadowy program, parts of it remain classified, began in 2007, and initially it was largely founded at the request of Harry Reid, the Nevada Democrat who was the Senate Majority Leader at the time, and who has long had an interest in space phenomena. 
Most of the money went to an aerospace research company run by a billionaire entrepreneur and longtime friend of Mr. Reed's, Robert Bigelow, who is currently working with NASA to produce expandable craft for humans to use in space. On CBS's 60 Minutes in May, Mr. Bigelow said that he was absolutely convinced that aliens exist and that UFOs have visited Earth. Working with Mr. Bigelow's Las Vegas-based company, the program produced documents that describe sightings of aircraft that seemed to move at very high velocities with no visible signs of propulsion or that hovered with no apparent means of lift. Officials with the programs have program have studied videos of encounters between unknown objects and American military aircraft, including one released in August of a whitish oval object about the size of a commercial plane chased by two Navy F-A-18F fighter jets from aircraft carrier Nimitz off the coast of San Diego in 2014. Mr. Reed, who retired from Congress this year, said he was proud of the program. I'm not embarrassed or ashamed or sorry I got this thing going, Mr. Reed said in a recent interview in Nevada. I think it's one of the good things I did in my congressional service. I've done something that no one has done before. Two other former senators and top members of a defense spending subcommittee, Ted Stevens, an Alaska Republican, and Daniel K. Inoue, a Hawaii Democrat, also supported the program. Mr. Stevens died in 2010 and Mr. Inoue in 2012. While not addressing the merits of the program, Sarah Seeger, an astrophysicist at MIT, cautioned that not knowing the origin of an object does not mean that it's from another planet or galaxy. When people claim to observe truly unusual phenomena, sometimes it's worth investigating seriously, she said. But she added, what people sometimes don't get about science is that we often have phenomena that remain unexplained. James O. James E. Oberg, a former NASA space shuttle engineer and the author of 10 books on spaceflight, who often debunks UFO sightings, was also doubtful. There are plenty of prosaic events and human perceptual traits that account, can account for these stories, Mr. Oberg said. Lots of people are active in the air and don't want others to know about it. They are happy to lurk unrecognized in the noise or even stirred up as camouflage. Still, Mr. Oberg said he welcomed research. There could well be a pearl in there, he said. In response to questions from the Times, Pentagon officials this month acknowledged the existence of the program, which began as part of the Defense Intelligence Agency. Officials insisted that the effort had ended after five years in 2012. It was determined that there were other higher priority issues that merited funding, and it was in the best interest of the DOD to make a change, said a Pentagon spokesman, Thomas Crosson, in an email referring to the Department of Defense. But Mr. Elizondo said the only thing that had ended was the effort's government funding, which dried up in 2012. From then on, Mr. Elizondo said in an interview he worked with officials from the Navy and the CIA. He continued to work out of his Pentagon office until this past October, when he resigned to protest what he characterized as excessive, excessive secrecy and inter internal opposition. Why aren't we spending more time and effort on this issue? Mr. Elizondo wrote in a resignation letter to Defense Secretary Jim Mattis. Mr. Elizondo said that the effort continued and that he had a successor who he declined to name. 
UFOs have been repeatedly investigated over the decades in the United States, including by the American military. In 1947, the Air Force began a series of studies that investigated more than 12,000 claimed UFO sightings before it was officially ended in 1969. The project, which included a study code named Project Blue Book, started in 1952, concluded that most sightings involved stars, clouds, conventional aircraft or spy planes, although 701 remained unexplained. Robert C. Siemens Jr., the secretary of the Air Force at that time, said in a memorandum announcing the end of Project Blue Book that it no longer can be classified either on the ground of natural, national security or in the interest of science. Mr. Reed said his interest in UFOs came from Mr. Bigelow. In 2007, Mr. Reed said in an interview, Mr. Bigelow told him that an official with the Defense Intelligence Agency had approached him wanting to visit Mr. Bigelow's ranch in Utah where he conducted research. Mr. Reed said he met with agency officials shortly after his meeting with Mr. Bigelow and learned that they wanted to start a research program on UFOs. Mr. Reed then summoned Mr. Stevens and Mr. Inouye to a secure room in the Capitol. I had talked to John Glenn a number of years before, Mr. Reed said, referring to the astronaut and former senator from Ohio who died in 2016. Mr. Glenn, Mr. Reed said, had told him that he thought the federal government should be looking seriously into UFOs and should be talking to military service members, particularly pilots, who had reported seeing aircraft they could not identify or explain. The sightings were not often reported up the military's chain of command, Mr. Reed said, because service members were afraid they would be laughed at or stigmatized. The meeting with Mr. Stevens and Mr. Inouye, Mr. Reed said, was one of the easiest meetings I ever had. He added, Ted Stevens said, I've been waiting to do this since I was in the Air Force. The Alaska Senator had been a pilot during the Army's Air Force, flying transport missions over China during World War II. During the meeting, Mr. Reed said, Mr. Stevens recounted being tailed by a strange aircraft with no known origin, which he said had followed his plane for miles. None of the three senators wanted a public debate on the Senate floor about funding for the money, Mr. Reed said. This was so-called black money, he said. Stevens knows about it, anyway knows about it, but that was it, and that's how we wanted it. Mr. Reed was referring to the Pentagon's budget for classified programs. Contracts obtained by the Times show a congressional appropriation of just under $22 million beginning in late 2008 through 2012. The money was used for management of the program, research, and assessments of the threat posed by the objects. The funding went to Mr. Bigelow's company, Bigelow Aerospace, which hired subcontractors and solicited research for the program. Under Mr. Bigelow's direction, the company modified buildings in Las Vegas for the storage of metal alloys and other materials that Mr. Elizondo and program contractors said had been recovered from unidentified aerial phenomena. Researchers also studied people who said they had experienced physical effects from encounters with the objects and examined them for any physiological changes. In addition, researchers spoke to military service members who had reported sightings of strange aircraft. We're in sort of a position of what would happen if you gave Leonardo da Vinci a garage door opener, said Harold E. Puthoff, an engineer who has conducted research on extrasensory extrasensory perception for the CIA and later worked as a contractor for the program. First of all, he tried to figure out what is this plastic stuff. He wouldn't know anything about the electric magnetic signals involved or its function. The program collected video and audio recordings of reported UFO incidents, including footage from an 
Navy F-A-18 Super Hornet, showing an aircraft surrounded by some kind of glowing aura, traveling at high speed and rotating as it moves. The Navy pilots can be heard trying to understand what they are seeing. There's a whole fleet of them, one exclaims. Defense officials decline to release the location and the date of the incident. Internationally, we are the most backward country in the world on this issue, Mr. Bigelow said in an interview. Our scientists are scared of being ostracized, and our media is scared of the stigma. China and Russia are much more open and work on this with huge organizations within their countries. Smaller countries like Belgium, France, England, and South American countries like Chile are more open too. They are proactive and willing to discuss this topic rather than being held back by a juvenile taboo. By 2009, Mr. Reed decided that the program had made such extraordinary discoveries that he argued for heightened security to protect it. Much progress has been made with the identification of highly sensitive, unconventional aerospace-related findings, Mr. Reed said to a letter to William Lynn III, a defense, deputy defense secretary at the time, requesting that it be designated Restricted Special Access Program, limited to a few listed officials. In 2009, a Pentagon briefing of the program, prepared by its director at the time, asserted that what was considered science fiction is now science fact, and that some the United States was incapable of defending itself against some of the technologies discovered. Mr. Reed's request for special designation was denied. Mr. Elizondo, in his resignation letter of October 4th, said there was a need for more serious attention to the many accounts from the Navy and other services of unusual aerial systems interfering with military weapon platforms and displaying beyond next generation capabilities. He expressed his frustration with the limitations placed on the program, telling Mr. Mattis that there remains a vital need to ascertain capability and intent of this, these phenomena for the benefit of the armed services and the nation. Mr. Elizondo has now joined Mr. Putoff and another former Defense Department official, Christopher K. Mellon, who is Deputy Assistant Defense Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence in a new commercial venture called To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science. They are speaking publicly about their efforts as their venture aims to raise money for research into UFOs. In the interview, Mr. Elizondo said that he and his government colleagues had determined that the phenomena they had studied did not seem to originate from any country. The fact is not something any government or institution should classify in order to keep secret from the people, he said. For his part, Mr. Reed said he did not know where the objects had come from. If anyone has says they have the answers now, they're fooling themselves, he said. We do not know. But, he said, we have to start someplace. Okay. Article 1. Done. I'm gonna sip my coffee with eggnog. Eggnog. Eggnog and whiskey, let's be real. Lubricate the throat a little more. Okay, here we go. Number 2. This is from the New York Times Insider. On the trail of a secret Pentagon UFO program, December 18th, 2017, by Ralph Blumenthal. Our readers are plenty interested in unidentified flying objects. We know that from the huge response to our front page Sunday article published online just after noon on Saturday, revealing a secret Pentagon program to investigate UFOs. 
The piece by Pentagon correspondent Helen Cooper, the author Leslie Keene, and myself, a contributor to the, the Times after a 45-year staff career, has dominated the most emailed and most viewed list since. So how does a story on UFOs get into the New York Times? Not easily, and only after a great deal of vetting, I assure you. The journey began two and a half months ago with a tip to Leslie, who has long reported on UFOs and published a 2010 New York Times bestseller, UFOs, Generals, Pilots, and Government Officials Go on the Record. At a confidential meeting October 4th in a Pentagon City hotel with several present and former intelligence officials and a defense contractor, she met Luis Alizando, the director of a Pentagon program she had never heard of, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. She learned it was a secret effort funded at the initiative of then Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, starting in 2007 to investigate aerial threats, including what the military preferred to call unidentified aerial phenomena or just objects. This was big news because the United States military had announced as far back as 1969 that UFOs were not worth studying. Leslie had also learned that Mr. Elizondo had just resigned to protest what he characterized as excessive secrecy and internal opposition, the re reason for the meeting. She spent hours with him reviewing unclassified documents under the 22 million program operated largely in the white, that is, not under res special restricted access, but hidden in the huge defense budget with only parts of it classified. A few days later, Mr. Elizondo and the others, including Harold E. Putoff, an engineer who had conducted research on extrasensory perception for the CIA, and later worked as a contractor on the program, and Christopher K. Mellon, a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, announced they were joining a new commercial venture to the STARS Academy of Arts and Science to raise money to research UFOs. Leslie wrote it up for the Huffington Post with scant deals of the program. I had known Leslie for years. And she told me this looked like a story for the Times. I agreed. Leslie and I met with Mr. Elizondo in Philadelphia on October 31st. Three days later, I emailed the executive editor, Dean Bakwet, about a sensational and highly confidential time-sensitive story that I said involves a U.S. senior, U.S. intelligence official, who abruptly quit last month, exposing a deeply secret program long mythologized but now confirmed. He alerted Mark Mazzetti, the investigations editor in the New Washington Bureau. Leslie and I briefed him in New York on November 7th. We assured him that there were no anonymous sources. Everyone was on the record. After discussions in Washington and New York, Helen joined our team. The Washington Bureau chief, Elizabeth Bullmiller, who would be our would be our editor. On November 17th, we met Mr. Elizondo in a nondescript Washington hotel where he sat with his back to the wall, keeping an eye on the door. Carl Hulse, the Times' chief Washington correspondent, as well, was well acquainted with Mr. Reed and helped arrange an interview for Helene. She flew to Las Vegas on December 5th, met with a former senator who confirmed the program with details saying, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed or sorry I got this going. Leslie interviewed the aerospace magnate Robert Bigelow, who also confirmed his participation, saying Americans were being held back from serious research by the, into UFOs by juvenile taboo, and I interviewed a prominent skeptic for perspective. It was important that we not take anything on faith. This field attracts zealots, excuse me, as well as debunkers, and many Americans remain deeply skeptical that the phenomenon exists as popularly portrayed. In draft after draft, we took pains to let the investigation speak for itself without bias. 
Ellen met with a Pentagon spokesperson on December 8th for a response to the information we had gathered. The answer came swiftly. There had been a program to investigate UFOs, but it ended in 2012 after five years. The Defense Department insisted. Our reporting suggested it continues, largely unfunded, to the present. And that's what we wrote. All right, two of four. Two of four down. Two to go. A little bit of a coffee. Coffee break. Are you enjoying the Above and Beyond synthesizer? I hope so. I hope it masks any stumbles I have in the language and also like entertains you and gives it like more of a heightened thing. Heightened feeling to it. Okay. This is from The Concourse. And the title is, Someone explain to me the alien alloys before I fucking explode. And it is by Tom Lay. And there's a picture of Jeff Goldblum. Oh my gosh. And we will, we will link to all. We, I mean it's me. I'll link to uh, all of the links. Link to the links in the episode description. <clears throat> Here we go. Hello, hi, yes, hello. We've all seen this, right? The story in the New York fucking times about the Pentagon's 22 million oh shit there might be aliens program. We've all read it. We've all engaged with the evidence within the story written in two part by two journalists who have won Pulitzer Prizes for the New York fucking times that suggests oh shit there might be aliens. Good, good. I'm glad we've all seen the story. My question now is what the fuck are we even doing right now? How are we all going just about our work on a Monday morning after seeing video which was not taken by some Yoko on a cell phone, but by the ultra-sophisticated systems of a super hornet of an extremely weird flying object speeding through our skies? How are we doing after reading this testimonial from one of the pilots who encountered the object? Hovering 50 feet above the churn was the aircraft of some kind, whitish, that was around 40 feet long and oval in shape. The craft was jumping around erratically, staying over the wave disturbance, but not moving in any specific dis direction, Commander Fraber said. The disturbance looked like frothy waves and foam as if water were boiling. <laughs> Boy, isn't that strange? What do you think the unidentified craft was doing out there on the ocean? Did you also see the part about the mysterious alloys that have been recovered by our government? Under Mr. Bigelow's direction, the company modified buildings in Las Vegas for the storage of metal alloys and other materials in Mr. Elizondo and program contractors had been had said had been recovered from unidentified aerial phenomena. Researchers also studied people who said they had experienced psychological effects from encounters with the objects and examined them for any physiological changes. <laughs> the alloys! They, they were just alloys. The alloys are sitting in a facility in Las Vegas and we cannot identify what they are made out of. Look, here is one of the authors of the Times piece on MSNBC reiterating that the US government cannot determine what these alloys are. So they just, uh, they just don't know what's uh, going on with alloys, they just don't know. The alloys are just sitting there, possibly calling, causing physical reactions of people who have come into contact with them. These alloys sound pretty serious. The military seems to be taking these alloys very seriously. A 2009 Pentagon briefing summary of the program, prepared by its director at the time, asserted what was once considered science fiction is now science fact, and that the United States was incapable of defending itself against some 
of the technologies discovered. Mr. Reed's request for the special designation was denied. Sweating so profusely that I'm now sitting in a puddle of my own anxiety. It's Monday morning! I'm just gonna go about my day. That was a funny one, right? That was the one I sent Sarah and she was like, I should read that out loud. People would enjoy that. Dramatic reading. Aliens and allies, we don't know. How's your Christmas? How's it going? I got a lot of socks. I was happy to get socks. I hope if you wanted socks, you got socks. All right, here's the last one. And this is from Express in the UK. Alien life? Former NASA engineers shock revelations on space UFO sightings. And this was written by John Austin on November 21st. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's before all these other ones. But I asked y'all to post on Facebook the pieces that you wanted read. And this was uh, included. This was included. So we are going to read it. No, I don't need a pop-up ad. No, thank you. No, thank you. James Oberg, while working at NASA Mission Control in the late 90s, trawled through as many accounts and images of suspected sighting as possible to see if science could explain the seemingly inexplicable. Analyzing stories, video, and photographic evidence of UFO sightings seen by astronauts, he came to his conclusion. The outcome will disappoint the thousands of alien conspiracy theorists who are convinced NASA has evidence space is crawling with aliens and their craft, but it covers it up from us because the agency does not think we could handle the truth. The wildly believed conspiracy theory suggests the powers that be believe public knowledge of alien life would bring an end to religion and possible rule of law leading to anarchy, but Mr. Oldberg said this is simply not true and there's really no evidence of aliens everywhere near our planet. There have been a string of claims of UFO sightings in NASA videos and the pictures of the moon, Mars, other planets, and footage of space filmed by the International Space Station. Most of these are just the result of cameras picking up ice crystal, lens flares, space dandruff, and our brain's misunderstanding of what space travel actually looks like, Mr. Oberg said. After leaving NASA, Mr. Oberg became a space journalist and historian before developing an interest in looking at UFO sightings. His aim in debunking the images is not to pour water on the true believers, but to establish what is really going on and why people reacted so strongly to any sign of something unusual. Mr. Oberg said that our senses are used to focus on relatively slow-moving objects in certain light and atmospherical conditions, so that when these change, as they do in space, our brains find it difficult to compute what is happening and the assumptions just get made. He said, our sensory system is functioning beyond, functioning absolutely perfectly for Earth conditions, but we're still a local civilization. Moving beyond our neighborhood has been visually confusing. One key piece of evidence the conspiracy theorists put forward is that NASA astronauts themselves have seen UFOs in space and have been forced to keep quiet. The likes of late NASA astronaut, or is it not, but like a different British spelling, I don't know, Edgar Mitchell, the sixth man on the moon, who went on to become one of the most prominent 
alien conspiracy believers appears to add weight to this theory. However, without disputing Mr. Mitchell's claims, Mr. Oberg said these theories are a result of people watching too much sci-fi, coupled with not really understanding what space looks like. He said, I've had enough experience with real space flight to realize that what's being seen in many videos is nothing beyond the norm from fully mundane phenomena occurring in unearthly settings. Mr. Oberg said that most videos filmed by ISS showing anomalies are really just examples of space dandruff. Space dandruff! You heard that right. Space dandruff objects. <clears throat> which have come off space vehicles during flights such as ice particles, paint chips, or fragments of insulation. These are much smaller than larger items. They're, these are much smaller than larger items of discarded metal known as there are. This article! I don't feel like it was edited really well, but it's okay. These are much smaller than larger. There are! There are! Damn it, there are! <clears throat> Space dandruff. There are much smaller than larger items of discarded metal known as space junk, which can also lead to supposed UFO sightings, but poses a real threat to the ISS. He says that space dandruff is common, but looks very strange on camera, as we are not used to the way it looks while falling the space while the Okay, let's unpack this sentence. We are not used to the way it looks when falling while the space station is traveling through space. There we go. <clears throat> it is a similar reason why so many UFOs were seen in older space shuttle footage. He said, oh, that, and that in that sentence, UFOs was in quotation marks. He said, in these videos, people usually freak out because the spots seem to dance in and out of view or suddenly appear and disappear. Which is pretty creepy if you're sitting at your computer on Earth, but isn't that weird if you're on a space shuttle traveling 28,000 kilometers per hour. That is 17,500 miles per hour, if you don't know the metric system. Nothing's going to stay in your frame vision very long. If the shuttle is in a certain position in relation to the sun, it would also cast a shadow on the objects, making it look on video as if they disappear and reappear. An effect known as twilight shadowing, which has led to claims of UFOs special technology such as invisibility or warp speed travel. Despite the large-scale debunking, Mr. Oberg does not say people should give up on UFO researching. He said, It's good to keep scanning space video for possible anomalies and reporting them quickly. The reason is that there's always a real chance that it could be a genuine anomaly, either a spacecraft malfunction or other threat, expected or unexpected. In the past, missions have failed because a clue that should have been seen out the window was overlooked. So there's not... I mean... There's not really a super definitive answer, but uh, I hope that you had fun listening to this podcast. A little, it's just me. Uh, I'm going to pull up some karaoke to send us off. I'm going to sing y'all, I'll be home for Christmas karaoke. What should we do? So there's four versions. There's the <coughs> Amy Grant version, the Michael Bublé version, the Kelly Clarkson version, and the 1940 Standards version. I think I will go with the 1940 Standard version. And whatever you're doing today, we're with family if you're like me, pet sitting cats and 
watching The Simpsons on Couch Lock. Whatever you're doing, <clears throat> I hope you have a swell day whenever you listen to it. Christmas kittens.